This is Generation Justice, broadcasting from the University of New Mexico, 89.9 KUNM and KUNM.org. I'm your host, Maya Quinones. And I'm your co-host, Jorge Rojas. Generation Justice is a multimedia project that trains youth to create media that inspires social change. Tonight, we are dedicating the next hour to Ayotzinapa. 43 Mexican students from the Raul Isidro Burgos Rural Teachers College have been missing since September 26th, when they were detained by police in Iguala, Guerrero, Mexico. Since then, massive demonstrations have been taking place weekly, with tens of thousands of protesters demanding justice for the students' disappearances. On Thursday, November 20th, there were protests across the world seen through social media with the phrase Acción Global por Ayotzinapa. There were protests all over Mexico, and thousands traveled to hold a peaceful protest in the heart of Mexico City at the Zócalo. However, police activity began, and 11 protesting students at the Zócalo were arrested and were stripped, beaten, and detained in maximum security prisons with charges of terrorism. Many of these stories in Mexico have not been covered by mainstream media, this corruption and violence has been happening for over 40 years, and now Ayotzinapa may be the turning point for Mexico. On the show tonight, we have an interview with Kent Patterson, editor of Frontera Norte Sur, published by the Center for Latin American and Border Studies at New Mexico State University. He has been covering events along the border and in Mexico for over 20 years. The students who are attending these colleges like Ayotzinapa are imbued with a social consciousness to serve the people, to take back to the community, and to uplift the communities from which they come. We will have a fun interview with you, Acosta, as well, a student activist and member of the El Paso Ciudad Juarez group Ayotzinapa Sin Fronteras. I want people from the U.S. to realize the big trouble that we're in in Mexico as human beings and we have the presence of a despotic government that is not listening to the demands of people. Also, the chants during tonight's show are from the vigil for the 43 students that was held outside the Mexican consulate here in Albuquerque. Up next, a song called Algo de Suerte by Rodrigo González. Stay tuned. A veces siento que se cae esa coraza Que me mantiene seguro De moverme todos lados Cientos pienso que He corrido con algo de suerte Estas páginas dibujadas por la muerte Yo pienso que Has corrido con algo de suerte Estas páginas dibujadas por la muerte During the September 26th demonstration where the 43 students disappeared, police opened fire at an estimated group of 120 students, killing six and injuring at least 20. Unfortunately, this is not the first time that the students from Raul Isidro Burgos' school and its sister schools have been targeted by the Mexican government. Kent Patterson, editor of Frontera Norte Sur, joins us to discuss this history of violence and oppression in Guerrero. Here's Generation Justice Fellow Cristina Rodriguez with Kent Patterson. 
I'm Christina Rodriguez from Generation Justice. I'm here with Kent Patterson. Kent is the editor of Frontera Norte Sur, published by the Center for Latin American and Border Studies at New Mexico State University. He is an investigative reporter who has provided a lot of important coverage of events on the U.S.-Mexico border and beyond. He's written about crime, politics, and protests for over two decades, and I'm honored to speak with him today about what's going on in Mexico and about the injustices of Ayotzinapa. Kent, welcome to Generation Justice. Thank you, Christina. Can you tell us a little bit about how you became interested in covering Guerrero, Mexico? Well, I was already covering Mexico back in the mid-90s, and I was in Mexico City shortly after uh, an atrocity occurred, which has become known as the Aguas Blancas Massacre, which precisely happened in the state of Guerrero. And that was a situation in which a group of campesinos, of small farmers, were trying to organize a demonstration in a town called Atoyac de Alvarez, um, about an hour, hour and a half from Acapulco. And on the way to this protest, it was organized as a peaceful protest. Nobody was armed that was in this protest caravan. They were ambushed by uh, Guerrero State Police, and 17 men were killed in that attack. So I went down to Guerrero shortly after that, met some of the survivors and relatives of the men who had been killed. And this became a huge case, which actually led to the fall of the governor of Guerrero, which, interestingly enough, we also see in this latest case of Ayotzinapa in the murdered and disappearing students, where one of the first political casualties was the governor of Guerrero. Can you tell us more about the recent history in Mexico that has led up to the situation we have today? One thing that's important to know, I think there's been a lot of repression that hasn't been covered too well in the U.S. press, especially in places like Guerrero. In fact, I wrote an article a couple years back warning about a new dirty war in Guerrero against activists. And leading up to the events with the Ayotzinapa students in Iguala, Guerrero, on September 26th and 27th of this year, we see a large number of killings of of activists in Guerrero, Uh, people like Rocio Messino, who actually was one of the leaders of, of this group of campesinos that was organizing around Aguas Blancas. And at the time, of the Aguas Blancas massacre. I met her shortly after that. She was 22 years old, and she was one one of the leaders of this organization. She was murdered um, about a year ago in Guerrero. There have been other cases. uh, Eva Alacon and uh, Marcial Bautista were leaders of an environmental organization active in the mountains of Guerrero that's been trying to stop illegal logging for a long time. And they were forcibly disappeared off a bus in Guerrero at the end of 2011 and have never been seen again. There were witnesses who testified to seeing police and soldiers involved in this kidnapping. They've never been found. Um, There have been other people at the end of 2011. Two students from Ayotzinapa were killed by police at a protest. So we see this escalating series of repressive acts carried out against activists leading up to this mass disappearance of students in September. What has been causing this escalating violence in Guerrero? You have to go back to the history of Guerrero. Guerrero has been contested space for a long time. It is one of the most beautiful places and productive places on earth. You have, you know, lowland tropical jungles. You have this amazing coastline with a lot of uh, marine resources, high mountains with pine forests. 
And for centuries, Guerrero has been contested between people what we call caciques, or rural political and economic bosses, and the small farmers. Um, and that's led to this whole history of conflict, which has been punctuated by massacres like Aguas Blancas. There were, there were some real bad ones back in the 1960s, which triggered a guerrilla war in the late 60s and 1970s. Uh, there was the massacre of the coconut, small coconut farmers in the middle of Acapulco in 1967, when Acapulco was at its peak as an international tourist resort. Nobody knows exactly how many farmers were slaughtered in the middle of Acapulco, but there were, there were probably dozens. In 1960, the Mexican army um, massacred uh, at least a dozen people. I think the casualties were, were even higher than that. Again, the casualties get lost, right, because of, you know, lack of accurate reporting or lack of adequate medical services. But at least a dozen people were killed in the state capital of Chilpancingo when students went out on the streets to demonstrate for university autonomy and political democracy. The army intervened, killed people. In Iguala, the same place where the Ayotzinapa students were disappeared in September. There was another massacre in 1962. Then there were two famous massacres in 1967, uh, the Acapulco, and then there was one in Atoyac de Alvarez, uh, the town up the coast from Acapulco, where people were demonstrating um, to remove the director of a school who was accused of being particularly tyrannical. The state police opened fire on that demonstration, killed five people, and the survivor who organized it was named Lucio Cabañas, who's very important in the history of Guerrero. In fact, Lucio Cabañas was a graduate of Ayotzinapa, and he was a teacher, a rural teacher in Atoyac. He was very active, working with parents, uh, opposing illegal logging on different issues. And the Mexican government tried to kill him at this demonstration in Atoyac. He survived it fled to the mountains and organized a guerrilla army that fought the Mexican army until he was killed in 1974. It should be pointed out that another real famous Ayotzinapa graduate was Genaro Vasquez Rojas, who was a political leader in Guerrero, an opposition leader, who also was repressed, jailed. Some of his supporters freed him. They sprung him from jail, and he organized another guerrilla army. So we see this pattern, this dynamic of repression, resistance, repression, resistance. One important thing to point out that's really gotten no mention in the U.S. press is the dirty war that happened after the Atoyac massacre and the, the rise of Lucio Cabañas's guerrilla movement. The Mexican army went into Guerrero to crush this rebellion and essentially carried out a scorched earth policy. They instituted collective punishment of rural communities that were accused of collaborating with Lucio Cabañas' guerrillas. They forcibly disappeared hundreds of people whose whereabouts to this day are still not known. There's evidence that a number of them were tossed from aircraft into the Pacific Ocean, just like what happened in Argentina and in some other countries where dirty wars were occurring around the same time. And I interviewed a number of survivors and relatives of victims of the Dirty War, and, and I can say that the, the scars and the traumas and the social impacts of that period of history persist to this day. There are hundreds of families still waiting for justice from that period of time who've never received it. 
Now, an interesting thing is that right around the time of the Ayotzinapa disappearance, a very important report was released to investigate the dirty war. It was a, the official Guerrero State Truth Commission. And the people who did the investigation had very little resources, but they managed to pull together an amazing report which names the responsible parties for disappearing people. Um, they have this all documented, and it goes right up the chain of command to the president of Mexico. And this report was released on October 15th, almost three weeks after the Ayotzinapa students disappeared. And it's received no attention, essentially, because of the upheaval that's going on now with the latest atrocity. But this report shows the history of repression and the trajectory of how the dirty war was conducted, who was victimized, who was disappeared, who was responsible for that, and how that figures into the current repression of today. So let's talk about the school where the missing students were studying, the Raul Isidro Burgos Rural Teachers College. I know you've written about it before, so can you tell us a little bit more about the school? That school plays a very uh, important part in the history of Guerrero and Mexico. It was part of a network of rural teacher colleges that were established during the administration of uh, President Lazaro Cárdenas, a revolutionary nationalist, back in the 1930s. And the objective was to help modernize Mexico, to bring literacy to the countryside, uh, where many, many people could not read or write. So they set up this network of rural teacher colleges and recruited the children of the campesinos or small farmers as the teachers. Very early on, um, the students who were attending these colleges like Ayotzinapa were imbued with a social consciousness um, to serve the people, to take back to the community, and to uplift the communities from which they come. Now, in more recent years, successive Mexican governments have attempted to dismantle these schools. And the students have been involved in constant struggles to not only get resources and obtain jobs as teachers when they graduate, but also just to save their schools. What makes those schools different from other schools in Mexico? Well, first of all, it's a public school, which is becoming an endangered species in Mexico. We see a, really a disinvestment, like here in, in public education. So you've seen this proliferation of private schools where people have to pay a lot of money. Schools like Ayotzinapa are still free in terms of tuition, but the students have no resources for their books or uniforms, which they have to raise money for. How can concerned citizens on this side of the border stand in solidarity with Ayotzinapa? Well, anyone who's interested in knowing more about this issue should just uh, get online and look up Ayotzinapa. There are a large number of groups mobilizing both in Mexico and the United States with different demands for justice. There are local actions taking place, such as here in Albuquerque, where there was a protest at the council, the Mexican council on November 13th. And I would just encourage people to be aware of the issue and if they're interested, hook up with local groups, probably via social media. I just want to thank you for speaking with us today and for providing this very important context of Ayotzinapa. Thank you very much, Christine. Kent Patterson was able to enlighten us on the history of Guerrero, Mexico, and the ongoing struggle of people to have their voices heard. We can help by listening and continuing to tell their stories. It's not a secret that our Latin American countries have been surrounded by injustice and corruption. 
The oppression that many people have felt is because they have denounced the bad things that are happening, and they want to change them. For me, it is encouraging to think that something is different this time. In some way, these events have become larger. You're right, Jorge. Ayotzinapa has called our attention, and we cannot continue to ignore this kind of violence. Thank you, Kent Patterson, for coming in and speaking with us. Now here's a song called Mexico by the Mexican Institute of Sound. Son los Zetas o es el Chapo, tus hijos ya son sicarios. Muérdete la lengua que hay 30 muertos en Veracruz. Es todo un placer y orgullo saber que el turno es tuyo. Que quizás mañana ya no llegues vivo a tu casa. México. Since the disappearance of the 43 students, thousands have taken to the streets in Mexico and abroad to protest violence and repression. On November 20th, they had the Acción Global por Ayotzinapa, which is also the anniversary of the Mexican Revolution. Gio Acosta, a student at EUTEP, is one of those protesters. He is a student organizer in both Ciudad Juárez and in El Paso. He's been active around the recent Ayotzinapa actions and has also organized actions against the femicide in Ciudad Juárez. Here's Generation Justice Fellow Chantel Trujillo with Gio Acosta. This is Chantel Trujillo. My guest tonight is currently pursuing a master's degree from the University of Texas in El Paso. He is an activist against violence and femicide in Ciudad Juárez and has been active in organizing around Ayotzinapa. Gio Acosta, I am delighted to be speaking with you. Welcome to Generation Justice. Hello, how's it going, Chantel? I'm doing well, thank you. To start off, would you please tell me more about yourself? Yeah, sure. Well, I'm originally from Cancun, Quintana Roo, Mexico, and I also grew up in northern Chihuahua in a small town called Tragedis Guerrero, which is located in the valley of Ciudad Juarez. I've been I've earned a, a bachelor's degree at the University of Texas at El Paso in psychology, and now I'm pursuing, as you mentioned, um, a sociology uh, master's degree. And through several years, I've been organizing activities with students, in mostly in Ciudad Juarez, as you mentioned. So I'm having a really hard time understanding why 43 students would be killed. In your opinion, why did this happen? Okay, we have to uh, trace back the roots of the normalista rural schools in, in Mexico and the impact they have in, in society as a whole. And this recent killing and disappearance of, of students is not doesn't constitute the first time that specifically normalistas from Ayotzinapa have been attacked. And beyond that, we obviously have to position ourselves in our present scenario, what are the things that are going on in the country today? We have a war against drug trafficking cartels, and that was officiated by, by President Felipe Calderón back in 2006. We need to connect the dots. Historically, what is exactly, what does the, the normal schools in Mexico represent? And of course, military intervention. 
Do you think that Ayotzinapa is a turning point for Mexico? I believe so. Ayotzinapa, before Ayotzinapa, we had Tlatlaya uh, in Estado de Mexico, Mexico State, in which the military annihilated uh, several people. And the same with previous events, such as that in 2010 with students from uh, Villas de Salvarcar, and several similar events that occurred during the previous presidential term for Felipe Calderón. So I do believe so. I, I think people are seeing it like that, uh, a turning point in, in how we're going to approach these topics of violence. And if we're finally in Mexico going to step up and, and discuss what is the nature of all these occurrences, definitely Ayotzinapa, it, it's a signal that we need something to take care of in Mexico. A lot of protesters are calling for the Mexican president, Enrique Peña Nieto, to resign. What are your thoughts on people calling for his resignation? I think people have been calling for his resignation since he was elected back, back in 2012. Uh, we had student movements such as Yo Soy 132. And to this point, Peña Nieto uh, continues portraying that image of someone that is working along with the biggest media power machine in Mexico, Televisa, TV Azteca, etc., to the point that people continue not believing in his statements. And I believe it's totally legitimate for people to be calling for his resignation. You mentioned the media. So it seems to me that there are two distinct images of Mexico that are being portrayed. First, there's a Mexico of progress and reform that's being presented to the world by Peña Nieto. But then there's also a Mexico of violence and impunity. Am I gathering this information correctly? Yes, indeed you are. And the state intervention exacerbating this violence. And the reforms Peña Nieto is, is currently passing, and they haven't stopped even with the students' incident. In from Ayotzinapa, the, the education reform continues to be legislated. It's showing us a phase of how there's a certain division between those in power and the people. I was listening to Peña Nieto right now on the radio, and he states that people indeed have the right to protest, but when it comes to violent protests, the government is going to intervene. So it has been brought to the people's attention that many of, of the protests that have turned into violent protests in Mexico have had infiltrators in them. And these are people that are dressed as normal civilians that go into the protests and disrupt things, start breaking stuff, which I admit that that can happen in any protest. People can take many directions, of course. But it's been evidence that infiltrators are, are being sent by, by the government in Mexico. Let's talk a little bit about the actions and organizing that you specifically have been a part of in both Ciudad Juarez and El Paso. How have people there responded to Ayotzinapa and to the administration? Uh, the reaction from Juarenses, people from Juarez, was of immediate support for the normalistas, the parents of students. Not only Juarez is also a turning point into the whole violence scenario in Mexico, but the experience that, that we have gone through in, in Juarez, I, I myself have um, lived in Juarez, uh, this processes of presidential elections since 2012. And there's outrage in, in Juarez 
And as a matter of fact, normalistas from the Isidro Burgos uh, Normal School in Ayotzinapa came all the way down to Juarez, all the way up, I'm sorry, <laughs> to Juarez to share with us their experiences. So there's a lot of support in Juarez for Ayotzinapa. And as far as, as my involvement, as I mentioned, back in 2012, I, I joined the student movements, Just Diciendo Trendedos, and through several activities of activism, which involved basically standing on the streets and with messages just telling people to wake up about the things that are happening in the country, we then moved on to the old fight against feminicide in, in the city, in Ciudad Juarez. Feminicide, as many know, has been described as, as this systematic killing of women that was very notorious uh, starting in the 1990s in Ciudad Juarez. And from then on, I, I've been continuing organizing myself with students in Juarez, also in El Paso, but mostly in Juarez. And another fight that is common in, in Juarez is that against militarization. And I believe that the incident in Ayotzinapa, in which it is presumed that also military was involved. So, Gio, I guess I'm curious about why Ayotzinapa is important to you. Thank you for asking that, by the way. Um, Ayotzinapa is, I grew up in Prajeris, Guerrero, which is a, a rural town in northern Chihuahua that was very vulnerated after the, the initial drug war in Mexico, meaning that many people were killed and others were disappeared, including my stepfather. My stepfather, unfortunately, um, was one of those victims. She was decapitated. So I, I personally have this connection with the events that are happening in Ayotzinapa, in, in Iguala, in Guerrero, in all this Michoacán, Tamaulipas, Veracruz. So overall, that's, that's my whole connection with Ayotzinapa personally. Well, I just want to thank you for sharing that with me. I can see how that really can encourage somebody to become an activist. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah, not a problem. I'm not afraid of sharing it. <laughs> uh, I believe a lot of people in Mexico are eager for justice, and if we just keep it to ourselves, this justice is never gonna is never gonna become a reality. Regarding like current actions, on November 13th, students from the Autonomous University in Ciudad Juarez occupied the rector's office to demand that the university support the November 20th National Day of Protest. Can you tell me more about what the students were demanding that day? Okay, since the Ayotzinapa uh, incident, students in, in Juarez began having meetings in which they all birded their uh, opinion about what was happening and the proposals as far as what were the actions that we could take from Juarez to support the normalization from Ayotzinapa. So since then, more departments in the Wasejota University in Juarez began joining. This time, uh, people from medical field, uh, engineering, law, etc. So basically, this was growing to the point that uh, several marching protests were organized. The, the international bridges were took, were stopped in several occasions by these actions. And eventually, the university assembly asked the president of the university, 
Mr. Duarte, I forgot his first name, to join the university assembly movement. And since the president of Huasacota, he just didn't say a word, the students decided to take Rectoria, the administration building, until president of the university confirmed that they were in fact going to do something. But when the Rectoria, the administration building, was taken, the demands then were that for November 20th, day of uh, revolution in Mexico, just as other universities and schools throughout Mexico, they were then demanding that the university as a whole to stop activities basically on that day and to give space for students to create forums, to give conferences, debate, to discuss the whole event in Ayotzinapa. And basically when that was later approved, these forums of discussion basically covered a lot, a lot of topics. And another demand that the students had that they needed the uh, university to make a clear statement over feminicide and over women disappearances. On that sense, students at the end were not entirely happy because the president didn't, they just danced, they, they felt that they danced around the topic of feminicide, but they didn't say the names of students that have been going missing from the university to girl students that, that disappeared, that were last seen at the university ground. So in that sense, the students are still fighting, but when they did all these events in the university, they provided space for mothers and fathers, parents of, of missing girls. And, and these people spoke about their testimonies, how they've been treated by the authorities. So that is the context of what is happening in Juarez, what has been happening. Aside from the events that are happening in Juarez, what are some of, I guess, the events that have happened or are currently happening in El Paso? El Paso is taking action too. Being here in El Paso limits you in, in so many ways to take action with the people from Juarez. But people here also are, are trying to organize around the Ayotzinapa incident. And approximately 100, more than 100 people uh, went to the Mexican consulate. They demanded to the Mexican consul, Mr. Jacobo, to take action on, on the Ayotzinapa incident. So people here in El Paso are, are doing their part from the limits that they have. So the alternative that people have here is to go to the Mexican consulate. And even you guys in, in Albuquerque, I, I heard that people went to the Mexican consulate to demand. So the Mexican consulate in the U.S. is becoming a, a place where people can realize the importance of the Mexican consulate and all of this and what major role they can take. Talk to me more about the events that occurred on November 20th. Thousands of people in Mexico and around the world marched in solidarity. What was El Paso and Ciudad Juarez like that day? Okay, um, November 20th, in Juarez, students continued, uh, they call it Paro Activo, which is an active stop of activities that the whole university, Huasacota, went into. So in Juarez, there was a lot of activities going on. They had forums of discussion. They had debate tables. They had uh, expositions. They had uh, theater performances. And they also marched along with the official, the, the government official parade. The media in Juarez called this like a, an intervention of, of the students into the official parade. So in Juarez, there was a lot of, of things going on. And not only Juarez, 
but all all Mexico. Many universities, just as Guasejo and Juarez, went through an active stop of activities. When it comes to El Paso, several organizations also gathered together in the Mexican consulate and through chantings and making a vigil all the way to the night, they demanded for the Mexican consul in El Paso to uh, pronounce him, himself over the Ayotzinapa incident, which indeed he did. He came out and stated that actions were going to be taken. So the speech of the Mexican consul in, in El Paso, it's similar to that one of Peña Nieto, of Cesar Duarte from Chihuahua, the state governor, etc., in the sense that they're not going to tolerate that this happened to the students and they're taking the right measures to basically make justice serve. So, Gio, I think that the perspective that you have is really incredible. As an activist with a perspective from both sides of the border, what is your message that you want the people here in the United States to know? I want people from the U.S. to realize the big trouble that we're in in Mexico as people, as human beings. And we have the presence of a despotic government that is not listening to the demands of people. It is killing us what we know happened to the students from Ayotzinapa. So my message is that the deeper you go into the U.S., the more unattached that you get to that reality in Mexico, even here in El Paso, where I'm currently at, which is closer city to, to Mexico. People are not engaging in, into what the events that are happening in Mexico. So actions need to be taken by the international community. And just as a reminder, we as two different countries have a lot of connections with one another. Not only we have transnational relationships in the economic, as we always picture, but also uh, in the social. And basically that's it, to just become more aware. Thank you for that. Also, right now, there are 43 families, as well as countless others that are suffering through this pain. What is your message to them? My message to them is that no están solos, they're not alone. Even though we seem distant from one another in geographically speaking, we're very connected by, by what is happening to many, many people in Mexico. So my, my message to the parents of Ayotzinapa is they continue the fight that uh, I hope they don't, they don't get tired of, of demanding justice, as many people in Mexico have, have done it. Many people have just decided to turn away but um, I hope they continue the fight. Is there anything else that you would like to add? Thank you for giving me this space and allowing me to spread the message. Thank you very much. Gio Acosta, it has been an honor. I want to sincerely thank you for taking the time to talk with me and for your continued work as a progressive student, but also as an inspiring activist. Thank you, and not a problem. We're here. I'm pretty sure that Many things will continue happening in Mexico, not only from uh, governmental position, but from the people. People are tired. People are making change. Uh, thank you for your support. And uh, I can tell that you guys have a passion for this. And please keep it up. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Gio Acosta, for reminding us of one very important detail, that what is occurring in Mexico is happening to human beings by human beings. I had the opportunity to attend the vigil here in Albuquerque for Ayotzinapa. I stood alongside several local activists who wished to see justice for their fellow human beings. Gracias, Gio, porque a través de tu experiencia 
pude terminar de comprender la magnitud de lo que ha pasado en Ayotzinapa. Lo que aún me cuesta comprender es por qué el ser humano se empeña en seguir dañando a sus hermanos, tratando de ignorar este dolor. Now here's a song that Gio requested for the students of Ayotzinapa, a song by Mercedes Sosa titled Que vivan los estudiantes. Me gustan los estudiantes que con muy clara elocuencia a la bolsa negra sacran le bajo las indulgencias porque hasta cuando nos dura señores la penitencia Caramba y samba la cosa, que viva toda la ciencia. Caramba y samba la cosa, que viva toda la ciencia. These students were aspiring to become teachers in order to protect education for their communities. As mentioned earlier, Lucio Cabañas is a revolutionary figure in Guerrero and also graduate of Ayotzinapa. He once said, Tienes que continuar la lucha donde vale más, el salón de clases. This means we must continue the fight where it matters most, in the classroom. The 43 missing students were doing just that, committing themselves to their communities through education. Tonight, as a way to honor them, we'd like to read each of their names aloud. Josivani Guerrero de la Cruz Luis Ángel Abarca Carrillo Marco Antonio Gómez Molina Saúl Bruno García Jorge Antonio Tizapa Leguideño Abel García Hernández Carlos Lorenzo Hernández Muñoz Adán Abraham de la Cruz Felipe Arnulfo Rosa Emiliano Allen Caspar de la Cruz César Manuel González Hernández Jorge Álvarez Nava José Eduardo Bartolo Tratempa Israel Jacinto Lugardo Antonio Santana Maestro Cristian Tomás Colón Cárnica Luis Ángel Francisco Arzola 
Miguel Ángel Mendoza Zacarías. Benjamín Asensio Bautista. Alexander Mora Venancia. Leonel Castro Abarca. Everardo Rodríguez Bello. Dorian González Parral. Jorge Luis González Parral. Marcial Pablo Baranda. Jorge Aníbal Cruz Mendoza. Abelardo Vázquez Peniten. Gutberto Ortiz Ramos. Bernardo Flores Alcaraz. Jesús Giovanni Rodríguez Tlatempa. Mauricio Ortega Valerio. Martín Quesemani Sánchez García. Magdaleno Rubén Lauro Villegas. Giovanni Galindo Guerrero. José Luis Luna Torres. Julio César López Patolcín. Jonás Trujillo González. Miguel Ángel Hernández Martínez. Cristian Alfonso Rodríguez. José Ángel Navarrete González. Carlos Iván Ramírez Villarreal. José Ángel Campos Cantor. Israel Caballero Sánchez. Here's a song titled Ayotzinapa 43 Corrido by Jose Carrizosa. Jose and his father worked together on this song in order to express their solidarity with Ayotzinapa. <laughs>
We have reached the end of our show tonight. Thank you all for joining us this evening. We would like to thank Kent Patterson for all of the work he does covering these atrocities in Mexico and for taking the time to speak with us. We would also like to thank Gio Acosta for talking with us and for all of his organizing work in El Paso and Ciudad Juarez. Special thanks to Generation Justice Fellows Chantel Trujillo and Cristina Rodriguez for conducting tonight's interviews. Thank you to Cristina Rodriguez for producing and editing tonight's show. Tonight's engineer is Camaria Umi. Production assistance came from George Luna Peña, Melissa Harris, and Roberta Rael. Much appreciation to all of our youth media makers here at Generation Justice. We couldn't do what we do without you. Stay connected with us. Check out our website, generationjustice.org, where you can listen to all of our past shows, see music playlists, read our blogs, watch videos, and much, much more. Also, our podcasts are now available on iTunes. Be sure to subscribe. We are also active on social media, so please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation, with additional funding from the McCune Foundation, and of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking Donate. I'm your host, Maya Quinones. And I'm your co-host, Jorge Rojas. We'll end the show with a few more songs. Then, following us on KUNM is a spoken word. See you next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Chao, amigos. Un placer estar con ustedes esta noche. ¿Qué le vamos a decir a la gente?